Louis grew up in California during the Great Depression. As a young man, Louis was a mischief maker, constantly in trouble with his school, even with the police. All that changed, however, when his brother introduced him to running, to track and field. He turned his life around. Louis dedicated himself to running, and as a teenager, Louis Zamperini competed in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. At the outset of World War II, Louis joined the Army Air Corps, and he was stationed to a bomber squadron in Hawaii. On May 27th of 1943, a bomber went missing. So Louis and the other members of his, of his bomber took off in search for this missing plane. Far out over the Pacific, one of their engines failed, and then a second, sending their bomber careening into the cold waters below. Louis woke up trapped in, in wreckage, connected, tied by the wires to this sinking plane, and eventually passed out. When he awoke a second time after this crash, he was freed and he climbed aboard a raft with two other survivors. For four weeks, these men were stalked by sharks, surviving on rainwater or on the occasional bird or fish that they could catch. After drifting for a month, they saw a plane and thought they'd found their deliverance. Louis fired off a flare and this plane turned towards them when it was revealed that it was actually a Japanese bomber. Its crewmen fired on this raft below. Louis and his companions jumped out of the raft, kicking and punching the sharks that were circling them. Every time they climbed back into the raft, the bomber circled again, strafing their raft and causing these men to careen into the water. Finally, the bomber departed, but these men's raft was riddled with holes. Miraculously, none of them had been shot. For a month and a half, these men drifted, terrified of the circling sharks, nearly starving, nearly dying of thirst, it seemed like all hope was lost. And frankly, aren't there times in each of our lives when we experience these same sort of emotions? We know the threats or the dangers are circling. You may be starving, maybe not starving for food, but maybe starving for joy or purpose or meaning. Times when it feels like everything is falling apart and you don't know where to look for hope, where it seems like there is no help. In the psalm that we said together a few minutes ago, we said these words, O God, you have brought a vine out of Egypt you prepared the ground for it. It took root and filled the land. This psalm is reassuring us that even when it appears like everything is going wrong, or even when it appears like nothing is happening at all, God is at work. God is 
preparing the soil. God is planting the seeds. And this is frankly what we see in the lives of so many of our spiritual forebearers. It's certainly what we see in the life of the Apostle Paul. In Paul's early years, he was a violent man. He was one of the fiercest persecutors of the church. You may remember the story of Stephen. The book of Acts records that Stephen was convicted of blasphemy and sentenced to death. And we read, they dragged him out of the, out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Saul approved of their killing him. Paul, who was earlier known as Saul, even recalled these days in his letter to the Philippians, the letter that we read today. Paul said, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Paul was one of the great persecutors of the church, but everything changed. And again, you probably know the story. He was on his way to Damascus when he was blinded by a light, and he heard Jesus speak to him, and that encounter transformed his life. But that encounter didn't mean that Paul's life was suddenly easy. As he traveled and preached the gospel, this man who had once dealt out violence was now met with violence. He was repeatedly arrested. He was flogged. He was stoned. And it didn't stop there. While sailing to Rome, a severe storm struck the ship that Paul was on, and Paul and his companions were forced to jump into the sea. Think about what you would say if you were in Paul's shoes. If it were me, I might say, God, this is not what I signed up for. Why me? But haven't we all been there? Haven't we all run into these storms, these disappointments, these medical diagnoses, the death of someone we love? We may ask these questions, why did this happen to me? Why do I deserve this? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Louis Zamperini's life has a bit of a parallel to Paul's. After Louis and his companions spent a month and a half at sea, they finally sighted a distant island. As they approached this island, thinking it would be their rescue, they were captured at the last moment by a Japanese boat. For the next two and a half years, Louis was held in a filthy cell. He was starved. He was beaten. He was interrogated. And at the end of the war, Louis returned home as a deeply haunted man. Trying to rebuild his life, he married a woman named Cynthia, but he continued to be haunted by all this trauma. He would awake at night to nightmares, the raft, the sharks, the prison camps, the, the guards, the beatings. Louis started to drink. He simmered with rage. He provoked fights with strangers. He shouted at his wife, Cynthia. As he drank more and more, his finances deteriorated. 
his marriage began to fall apart. Cynthia eventually reached her breaking point. She packed up her bags, she took their child, and she left. She walked out. Paul survived this shipwreck, but he swam to the nearby island of Malta. After Paul the Apostle had spent three months there, he and his companions secured passage on another ship towards Rome. Upon reaching Rome, he was arrested, put under house arrest, and he prepared for trial. The book of Acts ends with Paul's time in Rome without providing an account of the trial or the final days of Paul's life. Tradition holds that Paul was martyred in Rome while during the great persecution of Christians under Emperor Nero. For Cynthia, in the fall of 1949, although she was going through the divorce process, she decided to make a last-ditch attempt to save her husband. She asked Louis to come with her to a tent revival in Los Angeles, where a young preacher named Billy Graham would be. For two nights, as Billy Graham spoke of God's love and God's grace and God's power to bring about the miraculous, Louis sat there simmering in his anger, his frustration, and his rage. Finally, at the end of the second night, Louis stood up to storm towards the exit. But as he was walking down the aisle, he had a flashback. He had this vivid memory of being on his raft, circled by the sharks. It had been days since he'd had any, anything to drink. He was dying of thirst, and he prayed to God, if you save me, I will serve you forever. And it started to rain. Standing there in Graham's tent, it seemed like suddenly rain was falling on Louis's face once again. In a flash of clarity, he remembered his whole ordeal differently. When he'd been trapped on the wreckage of the sinking plane, miraculously he'd escaped. When the Japanese bomber had strafed his raft again and again, riddling it with bullet holes, somehow no one had been hit. When he'd been beaten and starved in the prison camp, and he'd prayed for help, somehow he had felt he had found the strength to go on. That night in Graham's tent, the bitterness and pain and resentment that had haunted Louis for years were washed away. Louis suddenly realized that even in his darkest moments, God had been with him. Even when it seemed most hopeless, God was present. The same was true of the Apostle Paul in his life. Even in the moments that appeared most bleak, God was with him. When Paul was thrown into prison, God gave him the opportunity to show love to a jailer. And, God, and this prison guard was so moved that he spent the rest of his life following Jesus. When Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta, there was a man there who was sick, and God was able to work through Paul to heal that man. And when Paul was arrested in Rome, 
Acts tells us he lived there two whole years and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And frankly, don't these stories echo the central story of our faith? Jesus was curing the blind. He was offering hope to the hopeless. He was healing the sick. He was proclaiming God's love for all people. He was gathering a group of disciples around him. It seemed like everything was going right. And then he was betrayed and arrested and tried and crucified. It looked like God had messed up. God had made a mistake. It looked like God had abandoned those who loved him. It was only after Easter, however, after the resurrection, after the culmination of God's plan, that the disciples were able to look back and see that God had been with them all along. It's only when we look back that we can most clearly see how the puzzle pieces of our lives fit together. In other words, sometimes God's presence is most obvious in the rearview mirror. In the wake of Louis's conversion at this tent revival in Los Angeles, he completely changed. His life found renewed joy and gratitude. He overcame his alcoholism. His marriage found new life. He forgave those who'd, who'd held him captive and beat him. But beyond all this, he dedicated the rest of his life to sharing the message of God's love and God's grace. He wrote and he spoke and he served those who were in need. And he realized that even in the most painful moments of his life, God had been equipping him to trust, to forgive. And then God had been leading him to this life of purpose and vocation. While the book of Acts does not record the final days of Paul's life, we can glimpse what he was thinking through his letter to the Philippians, the letter that we read this morning, which he wrote while he was imprisoned in Rome. This was a sort of last will and testament. Scholars have called this his epistle of joy. Paul had learned by the time he wrote this letter that all his suffering, all his losses, all his pain had shaped him and equipped him to serve God's people. Paul wrote in this letter, For the sake of Christ Jesus my Lord, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Both Paul and centuries later Louis developed a confidence that God was present with them through their suffering and an assurance that God can bring about good even from the worst of circumstances. So what this means for you and me is that if we are in a time in life when it seems like we are living into God's calling, when everything's clicking along, when everything's moving in the right direction, then that's a time when we should look back. We should recall the times of disappointment and distress and failure in our lives. 
We should take time to think about those challenges and how they shaped us and strengthened us and brought us here and equipped us to serve today. On the other hand, if you're in a time in life when you can't figure out why everything is going wrong, when you're overwhelmed by disappointment, when you struggle to see God's presence anywhere in your life, Remember this story of Louis and even more this story of Paul and look to this story of Paul for a glimmer of hope and a reminder that evil never triumphs and death never wins and God's love and God's grace will always have the last word. As we said together in the psalm this morning, O God, you have brought a vine out of Egypt you prepared the ground. It took root and filled the land. Amen.